Talk to my friend Drew. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As Drew Die Allen. Conservative. I look to this guy for wisdom. Well, folks, this is Drew Allen. It's quite a miracle. We are here two days in a row, back to back, me and the captain reunited just, you know, 24 hours, you know, apart here. So I got to be honest with you, before I came on here, me and the captain were talking and neither of us uh, are feeling particularly optimistic and bubbly this evening about things related to this country. I got to be honest with you. Uh, that's me, right? Drew Allen, the millennial minister of truth. America is truly, truly, truly staring into the abyss right now. Uh, this is... Don't turn me off now, okay? Don't turn me off. This is the bleakest situation in American history. I mean that. I know you saw Drew. Well, there's a civil war. There's the American Revolution, World War II. This is this is this is far worse. This is far worse in so many ways. The country's so massive. There's so much more at stake, to be honest, at this point in our development. And 2024 is, as my book is titled, is truly America's last stand. I just, you know, today when I was putting the show together, just before I came on, actually, pulling clips and reading, and I just, I think today I got a very kind of clear, vivid picture, Captain, of, 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 I mean, I am, you know, Mr. Real, but sometimes I say it more as an academic, right, as somebody who academically understands what's happening. But tonight, I was just looking at this show, and it just, like, the reality of the situation hit me. Like a ton of bricks. It, it, it really did. And it's, it's, I think that what frustrates me the most is that we just shrugged off. So many of the things that are actually happening and coming to fruition right now in the past as conspiracy theory, or as that's never going to happen in my lifetime. Like all these signs have been in front of us. In fact, the Democratic Party has told us to our faces that they were going to do this to the country. They've told us what the plans were. And we just, nah, that could never happen. The Democrat Party, and I want you to just take this, put it in your heart. <clears throat> you know, we all know Democrats. We all know Democrat voters. We have friends and family. They're going to be the end of this nation. We got to wake these people up. The Democrat Party is an evil party. This administration... The Department of Justice, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, they're all socialists, they are all Marxists, and there's no such thing as a good Marxist. 
There's no such thing as a good socialist. These are ideologies that when put into practice cause mass death and destruction. Real loss of life occurs. And the pace is what struck me tonight, Captain. I realized the pace. That's what really dawned on me because you and I have a chance to make a stand and preserve the country. We do. But we're in the last minute of, you know, the fourth quarter, if you will, and we need a touchdown and a two-point conversion. We don't need a field goal. We need a touch touchdown and we need a two-point. Like, that. that's how serious it is. So, and that's how serious all of us need to take this. I wish I could sit here. You know, I listen to old Rush Limbaugh sometimes, Captain, because I miss him, I think, like everybody does. And he was, you know, you want to study and learn from the best, right? And he was the best. And I listened to Rush when he was a lot younger. When he was even alone on the landscape, kind of before Fox News and all that, you know, but anyway, when he came up even in the 90s, and it was a different country back then. I mean, Rush Limbaugh could be lighthearted. He could joke. Because he recognized a lot of these things that are happening today. But I mean, even Rush back then, I mean, he saw these things before he passed away. He, 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 he lived long enough to see what we're experiencing now and what the Democrat Party's become. But back then, no way. No way did Rush Limbaugh know that this kind of thing was going to happen. That 10 million illegals were going to be helped into this country. That the Biden administration was going to announce a climate core. I want to be clear about this climate core, if you haven't heard about this. This is what I meant. This is kind of one of the things I was alluding to when I was saying the Democrats have told us they were going to do this and we laughed about it because it's so absurd, right? These guys are radical. AOC doesn't run the party, right? She's just a fringe kook that got elected in a crazy district in New York, but she is the party. You see, while we're sitting here on our loins because we're conservative, we just want to enjoy this nation and our families. You see, but while we were doing that, they were plotting and scheming. And that's why we're here. We were sleeping and they were awake. The enemy was moving at night while we were taking a, getting a little bit of shut eye. I want you actually, Captain, to Captain, to queue up cut two. So Joe Biden has announced that he is going to, through executive order, create a climate core. In other words, American taxpayers, you and me, are going to now be paying 20,000 young indoctrinated Americans to do we don't know what. I'll tell you a few things that they're definitely going to be doing, but they could be Hitler's youth for all I know. But this is about the... You see, the Democrats right now I do believe they're a little bit nervous about 2024. I do believe they are. I'll tell you later that the fix is already in. They're already working to steal the 2024 election. Yes, it's true. They're at it again. 
And I, I, I think, Captain, that one of the reasons they're pushing the illegal stuff right now is it's part of the plan they're going to implement in 2024. It's, it's bigger than that. But they will be using these illegals to steal the 2024 election. And I'll just give you a primer now because I can't let you go 20 minutes saying, oh, what were you going to say, Drew? Pennsylvania, for example, which is run by Democrats, unfortunately. Well, they've, they've uh, unveiled, released, started uh, not just motor voter, but automatic um, uh, voter. What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> it's six-month-old dad brain. Registration, that's the word. So in Pennsylvania now, you don't have to prove you're a citizen to be enrolled as a voter. It's tied to driver's licenses, right? And most of these states now, you don't have to prove citizenship to be to have a driver's license. So now if you get a driver's license, if you renew a driver's license, you're automatically enrolled as a voter in the state of Pennsylvania. So what do you do after that? What do you think happens, Captain? Mail-in ballots. So you're a registered voter based on a driver's license. So non-citizens are going to be mailed ballots. And I was in the car doing my drive around town again, Captain, and I always say I, I only get to listen to about 10 or 15 minutes of radio a day. And I was in, the, I was in at the time that Dan Bongino was on. I really do love Dan. Do you know that, Captain? He's grown on me so much. He's grown on me so much. Um, but anyway, I listened to him, you know, for a few minutes. And he, he, just, he just said one thing that stuck out to me that I wanted to say here, which is so obvious. You think that, you know, they say Joe Biden got 81 million votes, right? You think they checked 81 million signatures for verification? You understand it's impossible. It's a joke. It's an absolute joke. So this is what they're up to in 2024. And I know it makes your head explode and it makes you feel powerless. I, again, the message is not powerlessness. The message is urgency. Because what, what I want you to understand is that I have absolute hope and faith. I do believe in this country. I believe in you. I believe in me. I believe in the captain. I believe in the American people still. But we have to take action. Otherwise, we will lose the country. So right now, you know, if I were to compare myself to being a coach right now, and I'm talking to my team, if you will, my point of view is I'm talking to people. I'm talking to a country and a nation of individuals who have the talent, who have the ability, who have all the capability to win, to save the country, but they need motivation. They need to understand. And that's what I am trying to do for you, to motivate you. Not to tell you, hey, we're down. We need a, a field goal. We can't do it in two-point conversion. It's That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it's possible, but we've got to work hard, and we've got to work fast, and we've got to have conviction. That's my message. So two years ago, AOC made this statement um, that I'm going to play for you in just a second. This was in June or July of 2021. Two years ago. And everyone made fun of her for this, Captain. I don't know if you remember. You let me know and shake your head after you hear this. But play, play, cut, uh, play this cut of AOC. And what's important about a civilian climate corps 
is that it's an on-ramp and can function as an on-ramp to unionization and to, when we plug this in with union labor. But it's going to require putting us to work in the externalities of climate change, in reforesting land, in carbon mitigation, but also in resiliency and in the justice work. You know, planting trees, this isn't volunteer work. It's how we put the carbon back in the ground. It's how we actually take our future back into our own hands. I, I thought that was hilarious two years ago. I've got to be honest. I said, what a whack job. This whack job and, and some other guy, I forgot the other congressman who was associated with this or whatever, but the two of them, yeah. We need 20,000 retards. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I get in trouble for saying that, sorry. We need 20,000 indoctrinated young people to plant trees in America. We need a coalition, a government, we need a government program to plant trees. And now it's being done by fiat, by executive order. You know, our stoves are being taken away. Uh, Light bulbs have already been taken away. This happened in August. The incandescent light bulb, it's gone. Um, I, 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 I... this climate agenda. I just want to be really clear. It's 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 Marxism. You keep hearing the word Marxism thrown around. I don't want it to be worn out so that it loses its impact. This is Marxism. Is Marxism good? Has it ever been good? No, it's not. That's what this is. And they're using climate change and the climate agenda. It is Marxism. What is the enemy of socialism? What is the enemy of communism? What is the enemy of fascism? What is the enemy of all of these ideologies that control the population? It's capitalism. And that's why the left has been incessantly attacking capitalism for decades. It's the same reason they attack patriotism. Because these serve as bulwarks to authoritarianism. So they associate capitalism with climate change. They say that capitalism is in fact responsible for uh, all of the inclement weather changes. Tornado. It's capitalism's fault. None of this should make sense to you in some capacity because it's, it's insane. But Marxism is insane. Socialism is insane as an ideology. Communism is insane as an ideology. Who would want to implement that? Who would believe in such a system that we know is a failed system? Who would oppose capitalism, which is responsible for the success of America, the unique success of America? Every country on earth that is poor, do you know what system they implement and adopt to improve themselves? It's capitalism. I've explained this a couple times on the show, months and months apart. But if you look at communist China, what they did 
is they became a hybrid of communism and capitalism. You see, communist China brought in, introduced elements of capitalism to make them competitive. Now, what the United States has done is we have taken a capitalist capitalist society and we have brought in elements of socialism, communism, Marxism, and melded it with capitalism. But the two cannot survive together. Communism, Marxism, it's going to gobble. They, they can't exist. It's like slavery. Back in the Civil War, the two cannot live together. Because one's authoritarian and one is free. One is about private industry and the ability for the individual citizen to be free and make their own choices. And the other system that is represented in this climate core is a forced transition. You don't have freedom anymore. The government is saying to you, you cannot work at Exxon anymore. You cannot drill for gas. You cannot drill for oil. You cannot have coal anymore. Those industries are forbidden. We are replacing them. You didn't vote for this, but we are replacing them because we are simply saying it's dangerous. They're making up data. They're telling you a bunch of garbage. They're lying. They're creating excuses. So they're saying we're we're, we're not allowing that work and we're forcing you to build solar panels. And that's where this is headed. You know, this shift is so massive and unprecedented. What they're doing in this country and around the world, but let's just focus on America. It's unprecedented in American history. Not just, not just the attacks on Donald Trump, the indictments on Donald Trump. Yes, that's unprecedented in American history. But in world history, what they're doing with this forced transition away from reliable energy sources to unreliable and inferior technologies like solar panels, windmills, and so on and so forth, it's never happened before. This is the biggest, biggest forced change transfer of wealth in world history. That's what's going on. That's what this is about. And every single American is going to be poor because the Democrat Party is pushing this agenda. You will be controlled. You breathe carbon dioxide, I would remind you. And it's carbon dioxide that they're saying is responsible for hurricanes and rain and snow and heat and cold. But if they can regulate CO2, well, gee, they can regulate you, can't you? Can't they? Not just because your car depends on, you know, energy sources that are not going to exist anymore. So you're going to have energy shortages. You're going to have rationing and so on and so forth. They're going to control your movement and force you to do X, Y, and Z. You're going to have a cold house in the winter and you're going to have a hot house in the summer because you won't have electricity anymore. But there's no difference between the CO2 that comes out of a car or a plant and what comes out of your mouth. Zero difference whatsoever. The compound, the element is exactly the same. Zero difference. And, you know, we, we, we produce a lot of this stuff. Scourge on the earth, Captain. We're a scourge on the earth. But AOC said that two years ago, and now you have what? This happening. And why is it happening now? You see, they need a crisis in 2024. I don't know if they've settled exactly on what it's going to be yet, but this is the big one they've been pushing. Uh, You know, I'll never forget, Barack Obama did this podcast with 
uh, Ezra Klein, who's a commie. I think he's at the New York Times or Washington Post, one of those communist rags. You know, he's a he's a deep, brilliant thinker on the left, don't you know? Like Karl Marx, what a genius. That guy really knew how to get people killed, didn't he? Yes, yes, geniuses. But he did this uh, interview with Klein, his commie buddy. And he, he let the cat out of the bag. In fact, you know, this was one of those articles I wrote, Captain, that was on the Bongino Report. It's only happened to me a couple times. I don't really have an in with them, so I can't, like, send them and say, hey, pump my stuff out there. But, I, you know, I think it's, this was the first one. And I thought it was kind of cool. You know, because I, I look at Bongino Report. It's one of my go-tos because I'm just looking for headlines and stuff for my research. And in the opinion section, they always put a few people. Some of the usual suspects are there. And I saw my article in my name. I thought it was cool. But I wrote about this. I said... You know, this is, this is the, this is, climate change is intended to finish the job that COVID didn't complete. And Barack Obama talked about it in this interview, admitted it. He said, you know, what this, uh, you know, disaster COVID forces us to do is to think, put a dollar figure on what it would take to transition the economy. You see how they do this though? They associate climate change with everything. Yesterday, if you listened to the podcast, if you didn't, you should listen to it. But yesterday I played the clip of Zelensky. You know, move over Greta Thunderthighs. Thunberg, I call her Thunderthighs, but move over Greta Thunderthighs. You know, there's a new international face of climate change, and it's Zelensky. So Zelensky comes, and he's in the U.S., and he's begging, asking us for money again. And uh, he, he dedicates his speech to climate change. He relates climate change to uh, nuclear war, to the war in Russia. I mean, it, it was all over the place, but he brought up climate change. They're really pushing this. This is the thing. I, I don't I don't think, I mean, I, I wouldn't put anything past them, Captain. You know, they're screwing around a little bit with the mandates and mass mandates and stuff like that, but I haven't seen it explode yet. I think there's been enough resistance that I don't, I don't know that it would work for them. I, I mean, who knows, right, in 2024? I mean, I think plenty of people would go along with it again, but I think climate change is the thing they're really pushing right now. This is the one. This is it. It's all about climate change. If you don't vote for Democrats, if you don't vote for Democrats, you're going to die tomorrow. You're going to die the day after the election if, if Biden or Gavin Newsom or Michelle Obama, who replaces him, if they're not elected, you're going to die the next day because we haven't addressed climate change. I mean, that's, that's, that's the move. Now, this is a long clip. This is with the theme of us losing our country. And I've always said, if you want to understand how dangerous the situation is, if you want to get a gut check on what's really going on in America, if you want to cut through the BS and the propaganda, if you want to go to a trustworthy source to get the news straight about what's really happening here, because maybe you think, hey, this gringo Drew, you know, he grew up in the country. He's just one of these crazy guys. I don't trust him. He, you know, or whatever. So I, I say, if you want to get, a, get your pulse if you, you want the real barometer, you talk to immigrants. You talk to people who came here legally from communist countries, from authoritarian regimes who already lived through this. Because those people recognize what's happening here. And they'll be the first to tell you, I, I, fled, I fled this, and now it's happening in America. So the DOJ, um, Merrick Garland, he was like on some kind of... A, I don't know. The, the guy's demeanor when he talks, you'll, you'll see in a minute. It's just, I mean, the guy, it's, it's, 
He's like a, he's like a depressed guy or something. Anyway, he was asked by Massey and other people a bunch of questions. He was pressed. He was challenged. Um, Victoria Sparts, I believe is her name. You're going to hear in this clip coming up. This is cut three, Captain. She's a, a congresswoman from Indiana's 5th Congressional District, and she immigrated here from Ukraine when she was younger. And this is like a four-minute clip. I tried to cut it. I couldn't do it. It's that good. So I, I beg you to just listen to her in full because this is moving. If this does not scare you, if this does not get you motivated, if this does not alert you, if this doesn't get you worried <coughs> in earnest about your country, I don't know what will. So don't take it from me that we're in trouble. Take it from Victoria Sparks. Go ahead and play it, Captain. Attorney General, you had a very moving statement about your grandparents coming here uh, from Belarus to live in the country without fair prosecution. I grew up in very similar country, Ukraine now, and when I came here as a young person, I believed in the value as an American not to be afraid of my government. But I wanted to tell you, and I want to share with you and get your thoughts on that. Are you aware that a lot of Americans are now uh, afraid of being prosecuted by your department? Are you aware about that? Are you aware of that? I'm just saying, are you aware or not? Uh, I think that uh, constant attacks on the department and saying no, it's that not attacks. Well, let me let me give you an example. I don't know we talk what... about January 6. People. I'm sorry. Here, there, there are some people came on January 6. There are probably were some people that came on January 6 here, you know, that had bad intent. But a lot of good Americans from my district came here because they are sick and tired of this government not serving them. They came with strollers and the kids, and there was chaotic situation because the proper security wasn't provided. That's a question that was answered really why. Why we debated for 45 minutes on the floor and didn't stop the debate after the people broke in into the Capitol. But these people came, they were throwing the smoke bombs into the crowd with strollers with kids. People were showed up, you know, FBI agent to people's houses. You had in my district, in my town, FBI phone numbers all over the district. Please call. Call that. People are truly afraid. I just want to make sure if you're not aware that you are. And this is a big problem when people are afraid of their own government. And I'll share some other things. We're talking about justice system. I don't question. You're probably not a bad person. I don't know you. But well, I'll tell you, you're in charge of the department. And people right now feel, you know, I look at Durham report and I call on the FISA violations of queries of millions of Americans, right? It's like KGB, but when I read Durham reports, we have this, you have a nice, you know, playbook. First, let's have a special counsel, and then you don't have to answer any questions here. Then, let's extend slow work investigation on Hillary Clinton, on Hunter, Everything is slow walk. We were very quick on Donald Trump, but you were very slow walk. Then, by the time 
you know that investigation and its statute of limitation expired, and all of your agents need to be tested for amnesia. No one recalls anything. Okay, you probably should have as part of your hiring policy. So no one held accountable, which was uh, egregious what happened, you know, in that report. When I read with them, I can't believe it happened in the United States of America. This is my frustration. I'll be honest with you. Then, it's very interesting, you know, regardless what it is, even people in Obama administration raise concerns. You know, how can President Sanz be serving on, you know, corrupt Ukrainian oligarchs? Do you understand that it actually can undermine the one Ukrainian effort and policy? I think these concerns were raised. The Obama administration didn't do anything about it. These people are dying right now, and Americans don't trust this president. So you, I want to ask you one thing. You know, as you, you know, I don't need answer because I know you're not going to, but I think you're probably good American and you care. And a lot of these people are so afraid they cover up this stuff, I think, in your department because they're embarrassed that what we became as a country to say that what our Department of Justice became. That allows Russians to do propaganda in Chinese. It allows them to destabilize our country. That is danger to our republic. It is significant danger. And I have just one more question from you. You know, I mean, I agree on corporate crimes and FISA stuff, even with Democrats, that we need to do a better job. One more question for you. Do you believe that, you know, you talk about rights to vote, but do you believe that only U.S. citizens should be voting in this election and doing anything to make sure that only eligible people vote in elections? Yes and yes. Okay, I would like to see that, what you do. Thank you. Neil back. Now, he's lying through his teeth there. Yes and yes. Um, uh, I'm trying to decide whether I want to play this Massey clip or not. You know, Massey, you know, cue it up, Captain Cut One. I'll just play it. I want to play this one other exchange between Thomas Massey and the repugnant Merrick Garland, enemy of the American people. Uh, but before I play it, was, was that not, I mean, was that not, I mean, that was so authentic. It was so authentic, and that's what we're looking for. And you have somebody like that who is is somebody who's uh, can serve not just as a leader, as a representative, but as a cheerleader too. Because you feel that's somebody who can mobilize. But I think the biggest problem for most Americans that are aware that there are problems in this country and are able to identify what that problem is, our leaders give us no hope. Our leaders give us no energy. Our leaders leave us uh, just feeling empty. A Kevin McCarthy, people that will not fight. And the budget stuff going on, I'll get into in a minute. I'll give you some history on that too. But that's, that's one of those things where it's an opportunity and the American people are ready to back them and support them. They won't even do that. They won't even do that for us. We want it. We support them. We have their back and they won't do it. And it's demoralizing. Our own leaders are demoralizing us. And we've got to have better leaders. We've got to have better leaders. But yeah, go ahead and play this exchange between Thomas Massey and um, the Attorney General. Go ahead. You're signing the Constitution. I'm going to cite it. It's our constitutional duty to do oversight. Now, in that video, that was your answer to a question to me two years ago. 
When I said how many agents or assets of the government were present on January 5th and January 6th and agitating in the crowd to go into the Capitol and how many went into the Capitol, can you answer that now? I don't know the answer to that question. Oh, last time, you don't know how many there were or there were none? I don't know the answer to either of those questions. If there were any, I don't know how many. You've I don't know whether there are any. I think you may have just perjured yourself that you don't know that there were any. You want to say that again, that you don't know that there were any? I have any? no personal knowledge of this matter. I think what I said the you've, last time. You've had two years to find it. out. And, and the day, by the way, that was in reference to Ray Epps. And yesterday you indicted him. Isn't that a wonderful coincidence on a misdemeanor? Meanwhile, you're sending grandmas to prison. You're putting people away for 20 years for merely filming. Some people weren't even there yet. You've got the guy on video. He's saying, go into the Capitol. He's directing people to the Capitol before the speech ends. He's at the site of the first breach. You've got all the goods on him, 10 videos, and it's an, and it's an indictment for a misdemeanor? The American public isn't buying it. I yield the balance of my time to Chairman Jordan. May I answer the question? I'm going to ask you one now. Uh, yeah, let's, we'll let the gentleman. Yeah. Um, that, I, I, go ahead, but the, uh, in discovery in the cases um, that were filed with respect to January uh, 6, um, the Justice Department prosecutors provided whatever information they had about uh, the question that you're asking. Uh, with respect to Mr. Epps, the FBI has said that he was not an employee or informant of, of the uh, FBI. Uh, Mr. Um, Epps has been charged, um, and there's a proceeding, I believe, going on today on that subject. The charge is a joke. I yield to the chairman. The, the time the gentleman has expired, the chair recognizes the, uh, the gentleman from California. Mr. Attorney General, my colleague just said that you should be held in contempt of Congress. Anyway, is there anybody listening to me right now? that actually believes that January 6th was an insurrection? I want to point one thing out that should just clear this up forever for everyone, for anybody on the fence. So we know for a fact the FBI has admitted that they had informants in the crowd. What they will not tell us is how many. How many. But we're talking about dozens and dozens, if not well over that. So what does that tell you? If the FBI had quote-unquote informants on the ground, it means they were what? Expecting in some way a quote-unquote insurrection, if you will, right? So the FBI puts people in the crowd, informants, anticipating something, happening before it's happened and yet Nancy Pelosi and key Democrats refuse to uh, involve the National Guard to beef up the security presence in fact as uh, the you know head of the Capitol Police that day former head has has since said uh, they did everything they could to prevent a a presence of force that day does that make sense to anyone? Why would the FBI be putting informants in a crowd, anticipating something, while Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats, who are the ones using the insurrection, 
you know, for their own political benefit and gain and empowerment, why would they do everything they could to prevent a appropriate level of uh, police force, right? It's as simple as that. I mean, it's right in front of our faces. But again, you've just got to shake, shake the naivete off that tells you that your government would never do this. Ray Epps is the only individual on camera multiple times actually inciting an insurrection. He's the only person on camera encouraging people to storm the Capitol. He's the only person on camera that is actually organizing anything. Enrique Tario is going to spend 22 years in prison. And he was in Baltimore, Maryland during the protests on J6. But he was the leader of the Proud Boys. And so he's been found guilty of seditious conspiracy. He wasn't even there. He wasn't even there that day. But Ray Epps, who was actually on the ground before and during, is actually whispering in people's ears. He's giving orders. He's telling people, we're going to go into the Capitol. And he gets a misdemeanor. Someone want to explain that to me? People who just walked through open doors and took selfies were charged with greater offenses than Ray Epps. Folks, we don't live in a free country. We live in perhaps the most corrupt country on the planet because of our size and our power. I want you to think about that. The United States of America is not a decent country. Now, we are decent people, but our government is entirely indecent. Our government is evil. Our government is filled with corrupt bureaucrats who hate you and have no morals whatsoever. And the reason it's so terrifying is because we are, I mean, I just, I look at this thing and, I mean, we're living through history. It's, it's not that, it's not that, oh man, this is a rough patch and like, we just got to, you know, get another election under our, no, 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 no. This is like, the, the world is changing in our lifetime right now in a way that nobody in our history could have fathomed. And we're here to deal with it. I want you to queue up a couple of these illegal invasion clips, Captain. So this is one of those things that really frustrates me, Captain, because this has been going on for decades, right? We've had issues at our border for decades and decades and decades, and no one has done anything about it. Now, periodically, depending on who the president is, some things will be done, but we've always had issues with getting our government to actually secure our border. And we've been fed a lot of lies. Oh, these people are just, you know, it's women and children and families. Now, unfortunately, most of you are listening. You're not watching the show. If you don't watch it, you can go to jerallen.substack or you can go to, are you, you're uploading these, right? You got them up there, Captain, or no? At Right American Media? Yeah. But I'll, I'll keep the mic on when this, if you can when this clip plays, Cap, and I'll just tell people what we're seeing. But this is in Texas at the border. This is today, actually, Wednesday. And there's not a woman in sight. There's not a child in sight. It is an endless line of military-aged males. 
young men, young men just walking into our country, breaking our laws, invading. And this is today, and it's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. Hola, ¿de dónde son? I mean, there's like over a hundred people on the screen at any given time. I mean, what is this? Do we have no self-respect? We can't. And here's the thing, right? This is unprecedented what our government and what the Biden administration is doing with the illegal immigration situation. And this is what I'm saying. I'm, the reason this should... Look, if, if, if Trump is reelected, he's going to have to carry out the most massive deportation campaign in human history. And I'll support it. These people have got to be you know, all these resources we're pouring into Ukraine. We have the money for this and that, which we don't. We need to start, I mean, the budget thing I'm about to get into, but, you know, our resources would be correctly spent using whatever means is necessary to get these people out of our country and prevent them from ever coming back in. This is crazy. Over 10 million. Over 10 million. And the point is, when you put all this together, the illegal immigration that's happening right now, when you put together this climate core that's happening right now, these are fundamental transformations of our country. And they're very difficult to undo. And it's going to take a lot of will to undo it. Because these are problems that are going to plague us for many, 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 many years. Do you have that other clip, Captain? So here's another clip that Captain brought to my attention. Now, Governor Abbott, <clears throat> he has used the National Guard in Texas to try to secure the border as best he could in t- around Texas, uh, putting up, you know, uh, buoys with, I don't know, sharp objects. Of course, you're trying to keep people out. That's the whole point. It's like razor wire. Um, So he's had the National Guard put this stuff up, right? Okay. So what you're seeing is the Border Patrol walking down to the edge of this river that illegals are walking down in shallow water. And they are cutting the barbed wire or whatever kind of fence that has been installed to prevent illegals from coming into Texas. And they're taking rope and they're helping the illegals up this bed, this steep riverbed. And they're, they're assisting them and facilitating their illegal entry into our country. So you have what? You have a National Guard doing the bidding of a governor of Texas in this case to protect and defend the Constitution. And you now have Border Patrol violating that command. We have a civil war at the border. 
So, you know, even the natural presence of these reeds that grow up, right, on the riverbed streams that are thick, you know, uh, like they look like stalks of corn, they even remove those to help them up the riverbed. It's like it's like the police coming to your house and removing your fence. I mean, this is this is what this is akin to. You know, this country is ours. We have borders, just like we have, just like we have, you know, a fence around our land. And you can't trespass. But here we have. I mean, it, it's hard to talk about, Captain, because it's it's. I can't believe that. This has to be addressed. I can't believe that this position has to be defended in some way. I can't believe that there's people that support this. A lot of people are going to get hurt. And I want you to remember that it's because of these policies of the Democrat Party and other rhinos as well who participated that they brought this hardship on this country. Now, I just want to get into briefly... Um, this this budget situation in Washington, D.C. I just want you to be the most informed audience about how things work because I'm tired of being held hostage. And we're only held hostage because the American people are kept in the dark and ignorant about these processes. So first and foremost, um, the way... Congress is supposed to pass budgets, which originate from the president, right? The president is supposed to uh, provide his kind of budget outline, and then uh, Congress hashes it out, and they come up with something, whatever. So this goes back to 1974. So the current process that we're using for the budget, or we're not using for that matter, because we're not using it, it's, it's the 1974 Congressional Budget Act. And, you know, this process, in short, there's supposed to be 12 bills that come from the 12 committees. And they're all spending bills. And, and the only... I, I don't want to do this. So when you look at the, the debt, right, the spending by the government, the number, you know, let's say it's like $4 trillion, which is insane, right? Most of that money is not discretionary spending. So when, when I talk about Congress's role and the budget for the year. For example, last year, right, the the current year fiscal year that we're in, the budget that was passed was 1.7 trillion dollars. That's discretionary spending. But 4.1 trillion that's been spent was mandatory. That's your social security, your welfare programs, right? So those are cooked in. Those are covered. By law, that's not what we're even talking about with these different bills that are supposed to come out of, out of Congress and these committees. But the thing is, Congress doesn't abide by its own rules. If you did this and you ran a company, you'd be fired or you'd be put in prison. All right? So what, what happens is the, the, you're supposed to have these bills so everyone talks about September 30th, right? September 30th is the big day because October 1st is the start of another fiscal year. It's not January through December. 
The fiscal year starts October 1st for the government. Does that make sense? So October 1st, by then, they're supposed to have all of these bills voted on and funded. But they never do that. I want to give you perspective. Think about this. Congress has only passed all of its 12 appropriations bills on time four times. Four times since 1974. The last time was 1997, by the way. And, you know, the way it's supposed to work, too, is you vote on these bills individually. But they never do this. This is when you hear the term omnibus, right? An omnibus bill. That's when they take two or more of the bills from these different committees that fund, you know, defense and so on and so forth, and they mash them together and they vote on them all at one time. And that's where you get pork and so on and so forth, because instead of focusing on, okay, we're going to fund, you know, this particular sector of the government and take a vote. No, now we're doing everything at one time. And you're talking about 2000 pages instead of, you know, 200. And so what they frequently do to buy themselves more time is they pass a continuing resolution. So the Congress has not done its job. They're supposed to have had a bill put together to vote on to fund the government. And they haven't done that. So what they're going to do is pass a continuing resolution. They could pass a continuing resolution to fund the government for one day, or they could do it for a month, or they could do a continuing resolution that would fund the government for the entire next year. Are you understanding that there's basically no rules in Congress when it comes to our finances? So when they talk about a government shutdown, All the Social Security, all those welfare benefits, those are all paid. By law, those have to be paid. So a government shutdown is not starving kids in schools. And the problem we have today is that the Republican Party refuses to fight. They should. They sh I mean, they refuse to craft a narrative. They refuse to fight back. The Democrats use the same playbook every single time. The media, you know, gets their megaphone and they say, you know, the Republicans are going to, you know, kill old people and so on and so forth because they're not going to fund the government for these selfish reasons. They could turn it back in their faces, but they never do this. And, and I mean, it's so crazy to me because, you know, the, the, the expenditures by the government, even the discretionary spending, they increased it during COVID, Right. So, ostensibly, you can argue, you know, because they shut us down, we needed a bigger budget to deal with COVID than we did before. So, there was the pre-COVID budget, which was smaller, and then the COVID budget. COVID's done, and we're still spending, you understand? So, if we were spending a trillion dollars, that was just the fiscal discretionary spending that we were doing, a trillion. And then, with COVID, they upped it to 1.7 trillion. When COVID's over, they're still operating at a $1.7 trillion budget and saying we need $1.7 trillion. This, the government is totally out of control. Totally out of control. And so the, the big fight, and I don't have a lot of hope, it looks like the, I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen the latest numbers, Captain. There were some holdouts in the House. 
they were joining together to oppose this thing, but there's no accountability whatsoever. And all this goes back to 1995. 1995 is the year where they had the big budget battle. The, you know, Newt, Newt Gingrich was in there, the contract for America. You had this big wave come in. Republicans won a lot of, a lot of seats, right? This big wave. And they were rock stars. And then the media tried to destroy them with the narrative because I think for 27 days, the government was shut down. It was, I think it was the longest shutdown ever. And the media had a monopoly back then. So honestly, there was not a lot of damage to the Republican Party in reality, on the books, if you will, but it did things psychologically to Republicans in 1995. They couldn't take it because they were disparaged and destroyed. And psychologically, from 1995 and since then, Republicans do not want to be attacked for shutting down the government. But the media landscape is not the same anymore. We have a Republican Party. It's 2023. And they're acting like it's 1995. And that's the problem. That's the problem. They do not adapt. They do not change. They do not shift their playbook. They do not grow and advance their thinking. They do not improve themselves to combat this, this, this enemy. They just are stuck in 1995. And it's outrageous because I'm ready. Big people in the media are ready to back them and support them. We could mobilize because the left doesn't have a monopoly on the media anymore. There's so many alternate news sources that we can get our message out. We can defend the Republicans. We can put the Democrats on defense and we can demand, for example, right now, securing the border. In my opinion, Captain, we, one of the demands and one of the most important demands, it's if you don't secure the border, we're not funding anything. Because the American people see what's happening at the border, and we could very easily and successfully campaign on this issue. You just play the video of what's happening at the border. People are outraged. Look at New York. And it's the, it's the Democrats who are on defense. Because it's Democrats who are supporting this. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. But for some reason, Republicans won't fight. And that's what's demoralizing. So... Anyway, you know, there have been five shutdowns since 1995. Five of them. And, you know, we're still standing. We're still standing. And, I mean, these are desperate times, Captain, and, and we, can't, we can't even put up a fight here. I, I, it's just crazy to me. But anyway, all right. Well, this is Drew Allen, your Millennial Minister of Truth. Look, keep your head up. I mean that. I mean that. My point's not to beat you down with negativity. That's not it. But, you know, you can't go into a game. You can't go into the fourth quarter. You can't go in after the timeout and pretend like you're not up against the fence. All right? That doesn't do us any good. So I prefer to get very serious sometimes about what's happening and to really focus because we have an opportunity to be the generation that saves America again. And just as Reagan said, you know, I don't want to be the generation that let that freedom go. I don't want to be the generation that looks at my daughter or her children one day and says, gosh, I remember what it was like to be in America when it was free. No, no, no. I want them and our, I want future generations to look back on what we do here today, tomorrow, 2024. And I want them to look back on us. Like we, we look back on Abraham Lincoln and the American revolutionaries, because we draw strength from the fight they put up and from their success. 
right? They give us courage. They give us a kick in the butt because we're not the first to go through this. We're Americans and we battle together and we win together. And I want to keep that tradition going. So, all right, folks, this is Jerrell. as I said, your millennial minister of truth. God bless you all. And until next time. Talk to my friend Drew Allen. I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. One of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew, Drew Allen. Allen. As Drew die Allen. hard conservative. I look to this guy for wisdom.